Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Word of God says that uh, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man, and it also says regarding the gospel impact in the culture, it says God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and that the base things of the world will ultimately be overcome by the truth of the gospel. And with that, we welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarlane, along with Bert Harper. And we are going to continue in 1 Corinthians, but also, Bert, let's talk about something that God is doing through AFA to take action to bring the truth of the gospel, the righteousness of Christ, uh, to overcome uh, the base things of the world, as Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 1. That is right, Alex. And I, I've been with AFA for many, many years. And uh, I've been here when we started the radio. I've been here when we started the studios. And I've also was here when we started AFA Action. And AFA knew, Don and Tim knew, we needed to do more in the area of government affairs than we were allowed to do with where, what we were uh, granted by the, by the government. And we applied to become a, a, an, an a entity that would have an effect in political action concerning political issues of the day. And we started AFA Action. And it's been mentioned on the radio before. And we have Rob Chambers. He's been here to update us. But this is the first day we've ever given to the the entire day to each program to have some time to talk about what AFA Action does. And with us today, we have Dr. Jameson Taylor. He is the research fellow for AFA and leads the Government Affairs Division of the AFA Action. Jameson, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, I know you've been on earlier, so when we came in, I didn't have to introduce you to the headphones or anything, so you're (laughs) right at home. So we welcome you today. But you help identify and craft uh, legislation, both federally and and state, uh, for promoting conservative and biblical values. What a job. Real quick, you got to tell me, and everything's got to be quick today, how in the world did you come to that point to do what you're doing? Well, we talk about God using the foolish. That is certainly uh, the truth in my case. Um, I basically, I kind of think of myself as a bulldog for God or a lobbyist for God. I go into state capitals around the country and advocate for God's truth working with lawmakers, in some cases holding them accountable to speak the truth into the kind of evilness of our culture. And that's what AFA Action does. You can learn more about what we do at afaaction.net. But what AFA Action is committed to doing is to speaking that truth in our capitals, kind of in the same way that that Paul did when he went into cities like Athens and, of course, in Rome, is speaking that truth to the wise, speaking truth to leaders. But this is something that we've always seen throughout the history of Christianity, of often Christianity has kind of had that confrontation with different leaders, with kings, you know, even even King David, where the the prophet 
Nathan was, uh, you know, witness to him of the truth of the morality uh, and and the preciousness of marriage, the sanctity of marriage. Uh, Christianity has often had that encounter. What AFA Action seeks to do is to make that a very intentional encounter so that we go into state capitals, we go into Washington, D.C., and we spread the truth of the gospel by getting good legislation passed, Amen. equipping Christian lawmakers to pass good legislation. And we see some of the fruit of that. Some of the fruit of that is, for instance, before the U.S. Supreme Court right now in the Dobbs case, which uh, we hope and pray will lead to a reversal of Roe v. Wade. That's right. Alex, mm, This is yes. he, he was in Jackson, Mississippi, helping our legislature craft this legislation that has made its way to the Supreme Court. So Jameson wow. is one of those active people that is involved in what's taking place concerning that issue even today, brother. Well, Jameson, uh, we commend you for what you're doing, uh, not only for AFA action, but really for our nation and, and beyond. Hey, let me ask you this. Do you find um, regarding uh, not only a biblical worldview, but just the way that our, our government operates, do you find that many people, even sometimes elected officials, just don't really understand what our nation was based on and what made our nation great? I think that in many ways we're living in a kind of post-Christian culture, and that's a challenge for uh, for Christians to be engaged. What it means is that we have to help lawmakers develop their Christian identity. I think a lot of lawmakers kind of show up and, and they say, well, look, I go to church on Sunday, but they don't really understand how their Christian faith can inform their political views. They have not really been educated about the importance of their role, about really the, the divinely ordained mission that they have. You know, they God has given them an assignment. Their assignment is to represent their community in legislatures, in their leg, in their state legislature, and, and in Washington D.C., God has given that assignment to kind of be His hands, to be His ears, to be His eyes in that particular place. AFA Action exists to help these lawmakers understand their Christian identity and to live that out. And it's very difficult because lawmakers they face a lot of very complicated decisions every day. So, I mean, we ask them to make more decisions about things than we really should because government has gotten so big. You, you know, you're, you're an average lawmaker and you have to make hundreds and hundreds of decisions every day. And some of them you have limited information on, but we do have good information on the really important issues. For instance, the sanctity of life, the dignity of one man, one woman marriage, uh, that we should act to help children in foster care, that we should pass policies to make adoption easier. There are some things that are very clear, and AFA Action exists to make those things even more clear to lawmakers and to give them the tools that they need to be successful. And I, I really appeal to people to support what we're doing. That's right. Go to afaaction.net. There's a donate button. Press the donate button. My, my favorite part of that button is says to give my best gift. I encourage listeners mm. today, give your best gift so that you can help us do our very best. And in helping us do that, we are literally changing the future of the United States. That's what that's Amen. kind of what the, the Dobbs case is about. It's a generation changing, future changing victory that we've been able to get here in Mississippi. And there are other states that we are also working in to get similar 
major, very important victories. And another way you can do this to be a part of AFA Action, again, a branch of AFA, the political action part, is 877-616-2396. You can make that call, 877-616-2396. Now, how does this fit in with Exploring the Word? I was able to talk to Jameson uh, before we got on, we were talking about exploring the Word. One of the goals of, of exploring the Word is to give our listeners a biblical worldview. You do that by digging into the Word of God to see what it says about life. You not only see what it says about salvation, but you also dig in to see what it says about society. I use this all the time, Jameson. Right? What was happening, what was about to happen when God gave the law to Moses, they were about to occupy a land and set up a new society, and he gave those laws in order to operate best under those conditions. So God's people has always been a part of that. Would you speak mm. to that and why we got a guy out there, well, we shouldn't do this. I think we should. Yeah, well, you know, one of my favorite passages, we talk about Moses. I mean, think about the challenges that he had in leading the Israelites into the promised land. But you know, at some point, Moses is complaining to God. He's saying, oh, it's too much. I can't do all this. I need some help. So Sounds God, like a pastor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, But God says, okay, I'm going to give you some help. There's gonna, I'm going to give you some elders. I'm going to give you some leaders in your community that are going to step up to the plate. And that's what God is calling each of us to do in our own spheres. It's something that I have a, a, I'm blessed to have an opportunity to do in the political sphere. But we all have a part to play in moving our culture forward and helping to redeem our culture. Uh, you know, so just as Moses had that help from the elders, there's a role that each, you know, each of us can play. And you might, you might be at home and you're thinking, well, I'm retired. I can't get involved in politics or I'm sick in bed. I can't get involved in politics. I'm a student. I can't donate to AFA action, but you can, because it's all of these small acts. This is what leads to these big victories, yeah. making mm-hmm. small sacrifices, but also being bold. And that's, that's one thing that we have done here at AFA. That's certainly the way that I've approached the work that I'm doing. You know, figure God's asking me to do this. I'm going to be bold. So uh, having that bold leadership. Go ahead, uh, Dr. Taylor, I've got to ask you a question. You know, so many of the corporations that are major companies here in America are, are going woke, and we see them coming on board with initiatives that we know are, you know, not only unbiblical, but even really anti you know, a Judeo-Christian constitutional republic. What can we do, and 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 what is FA Action doing to help people? Um, you know, make a difference uh, against the tide of wokeness that seems to be going through the corporate world. I think that there are a number of things that we can do, but it begins by taking a stand. And so, what we saw, for instance, in Florida recently, when Governor DeSantis took a stand to protect young children from uh, basically groomers and those that want to corrupt children uh, with sexual immorality. He took a stand on that. We saw Walt Disney World uh, basically tried to subvert what he was doing. And then they backed down. I mean, where's where's Walt Disney going to be? You know, they're, 
uh, the governor succeeded in showing them, look, we have the power to pass laws here. This is what our community wants. This is what our lawmakers want. If you look in Georgia, where you had Hollywood was saying, well, we're going to boycott Georgia because they passed pro-life legislation, I believe it was a heartbeat bill a couple of years ago. Well, Hollywood is still filming in Georgia. And so you see these corporations, because they're being driven really by a kind of fad, and they're not really principles that are driving what they're doing, uh, that eventually they back down. Whereas, whereas when we approach what we're doing in a very informed way, in a prayerful way, in an intentional way, we can have lasting victories. And that's what AFA Action is about, is securing those lasting victories. You know, when you give to AFA, Sherathon, that keeps the radio on. It does not go into any support of AFA Action. It's a total separate entity of AFA, and they have to raise their own money. Now, it's not tax-deductible when you give, but it is action. And AFAaction.net is where you can go. Go to that Donate button, or you can call 877-616-2396, and you can be a part of that. Uh, Listen, we tell folks all the time, you vote. Yes, you do. You pray. And AFA Action is the one that's producing iVoter Guide. And uh, we have employees that's going through all 50 states to let us know what senators, what they say about life, what they say about marriage, other things, and also they investigate what they've done in the past. And they also do it legislative, uh, excuse me, concerning the, the senator and the House of Representatives. That's very effective. So when you give at AFA Action, you're helping that. And let me suggest, go to AFA Action and look at all that's there. Yeah, and you, you hit the nail on the head, Bert, that AFA Action is taking a very comprehensive approach to these issues. Jameson, we need your support. Thank you for being with us. Thank yes, you. God we appreciate you. it. We'll be back with the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 right after this break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Daryl LeCount, Director of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. His office is responsible for implementing federal laws and policies related to American Indians and Alaska Natives. Galatians 6.2 reminds us of the importance of helping one another. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Daryl LeCount as he works on behalf of Native peoples in our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Instead of worshiping a God who's somewhere out there, Dr. Tony Evans says many people are opting for a do-it-yourself deity much closer to home. He'll tell us more about that today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Nebuchadnezzar built a statue to himself. This is called self-worship, the idol of you. The biblical word is pride, the idol of self, where I worship me. I become the sum of all things. The reason God put that tree in the middle of the garden and told Adam don't mess with it because I want you to remember you are not the sum of all things. 
I am the sum of all things. I'm going to put this tree in your den so that when you go to the bedroom, you don't miss it. When you go to the kitchen, you don't miss it. We're going to be in the middle of your house so that you remember you are not the sum of all things. We live in a self-worship culture. People worship themselves. They don't want to answer to God, so they answer to themselves. That's why they got my truth. We got my truth, not the truth, my truth. We've devolved from the truth to my opinion. We're living in a world now where truth has been downgraded to opinion. There are no absolutes, unless it's my absolute. Truth does not exist outside of me. Truth is defined by me. Once you enter that realm, you've entered into image making. We want image so bad that we'll piggyback off of other folks' image to give us the image we want. It's called reality TV. Learn how to spot and avoid the little G gods that Satan tries to pass off as the real thing. Check out Tony's CD series, American Idols, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Listen to this. But of him, Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. Now listen to the rest of those. And righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. In Christ Jesus, we have all we need for life and godliness in this present world. He did not leave us as orphans when he saved us. The Holy Spirit comes in and indwells us and lives in us and works in us and through us. I want to just tell you, if you're a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, the blessings that's been given to you and to me, they are beyond anything that you could describe. And it also, it really does confuse the world and their wisdom. They cannot explain the power of the believer in Christ Jesus. And that's a little bit of what 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 and following is all about. Alex, I get so excited. Let me read verse 18, and I'll throw it over to you. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Man, the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul made much of the cross, did he not? He did. You know, I think it's uh, interesting how so many of our most beloved songs, the hymns that we sing, and even praise choruses too sometimes, they talk about the cross. Because the, the, the cross is our, our hope. The cross is our security. And you know, uh, verse 18 says this, and verse 23 kind of reiterates, uh, we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. And the word stumbling block is really the word for scandal. And let me let me say this. Some people um, are ashamed. Remember back in Romans 1.16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Gentile or to the Greek. Some people are ashamed 
to talk about the blood of Jesus that was shed to wash our sins away. And then other people might think, well, that's silly, you know, something like that. It was a famous person. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it was Ted Turner, the media, you know, magnate. Uh, 30 years ago, he was kind of almost like the Elon Musk of the world uh, in that he was wealthy, he was influential, he was an entrepreneur. But he said some really disparaging things about Jesus, and he just thought he couldn't understand how Jesus would allow himself to be nailed to the cross. He he essentially said if Christ had all that power and was the Son of God, he should have fought back, and why did he allow himself to be nailed to the cross? My point being, as 1 Corinthians says, Bert, to those who just they don't get it, we're sinners, we needed a Savior, God loved us. He came down here. He he bore the punishment for our sin. It's not a scandal, and it's not foolishness. It's our one secure hope for eternity, the cross and the risen Savior, isn't it? It is. And Paul goes back into Isaiah to demonstrate this wisdom of God and not the wisdom of the world. And he quotes from Isaiah 29, 14, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now, Alex, what what Paul is saying that Isaiah is saying, I love it, destroy the wisdom of the wise. The best that man can come up with on his own can never match the glory of Christ Jesus, the cross, and the resurrection. And you was talking about Ted Turner talking about Jesus. If he had been strong, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. He would have lived. Listen. If he hadn't have died, he wouldn't have the resurrection. What is greater, man overcoming man, coming uh, uh, Jesus overcoming the Roman government, coming against him, the Judaizers and and everybody coming against him, or I should say Pharisees, or overcoming death and sin. I would say death and sin overcome is the greatest, greatest overcoming issue of the day. Amen. Amen. Well, absolutely, absolutely. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, you know, concludes by this message about salvation and how that the gospel is the victory over the base things of the world, and that it says in verse 28 that the uh, things which are despised, God hath chosen yea the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Okay, what's not... Um, present right this minute is the kingdom of God fully on earth and righteousness covering the earth as the waters cover the sea, like Habakkuk says. But it's coming. Now, what presently is a fallen world system that is aligned and arrayed against God? But you know what? The things that are not yet, believe me, they're coming. And the things which are are going to be brought to naught. And verse 29 where it says, no flesh should glory in his presence. You know what? As much as I appreciate history and the accomplishments of the human race are many, but you know what? They're going to be all eclipsed by the kingdom of God. You read 1 John uh, 2, 15 through 17, and it says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the prize of life, pride of life is passing away. And even not just human history and man's accomplishments, but human effort, human religion, human righteousness. That's why when sometimes we'll ask the question, Bert, 
you know, if you died and God said, why should I let you into heaven? You don't say because I've been a good person or because I've kept the law or, or whatever. No, it's only the righteousness and the work of Christ because it says no flesh, whether it be human effort, human accomplishment, or human religion, is that will not stand before God. Only the righteousness of Christ, which you can have right now today by simply putting your faith in Jesus. Amen. And what takes place here from verse 18 all the way to the end of the chapter is versing one another. The wisdom of this world, the wisdom of God. Look, if you would, and it just makes it so plain in verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message it was preached to save those who believe. And again, it, it talks about the Jews wanting a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom. But the wisdom of this world is insufficient. Remember what it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let me put a little bit to that. The best wisdom of man comes short of the wisdom of God. The wisdom of man compounded generation after generation built upon one another cannot even come to the base of the wisdom of God in what he says. And, and again, he talks about this over and over again. Just go through this and underline the word wise or wisdom in these verses 18 through uh, 31, and you'll see the battle that is going on. And notice what it says here, uh, verse 24, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now let's combine those two just for a moment. The power of God, the wisdom of God. You must have the power of God demonstrated in your life through the power of the resurrection as you trust him as Savior in order to receive the wisdom of God. And the book of James says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. And, and he does not build upon man's opinion. And so, Alex, when I see this, in verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, I think this is an overstatement by Paul, but it's a good statement. In God, there is really no foolishness. In God, there really is no weaknesses. But if God had foolishness or God had weaknesses, it's still stronger than the might and the wisdom of a man. <laughs> that, Paul just makes this statement, and he drives it home to these Corinthian believers because uh, they were divided. They were saying, who's the best, Apollos, Paul, or, or Cephas, mm -hmm. or Simon, Peter, you know? And God, and he brings, it's Christ. It's his wisdom. It's his knowledge that will bring you through and bring you to the truth of knowing him and living for him, Alex. Paul really does make his statement strong here. Uh, I think you said yesterday was probably the third book that Paul letter that Paul wrote. That was my uh, research as well. And yes. even early on, e even early on before he would write Ephesians and Romans, which is beyond, or even Colossians, which is beyond description of how good they are, really. He yes. hits it home, and he is starting to develop in this theme of the sufficiency of Christ, isn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. I got to share a quote. Now, some of you 
might not appreciate this quote too much, but you know, in the spirit of uh, 1 Corinthians, um, where it says that you know not not many wise are called. You know, people often will ask. And by the way, if you want to call in, we will take Bible questions here in just a moment. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Um, but verse 26, not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise. And Bert, I've had college kids ask me, you know, why does it seem like so many of the professors are atheists or whatnot? Well, there might be a lot of reasons. You know, Bert, I've had PhDs tell me, and by the way, I know a lot of born-again, Bible-believing Christian professors, scholars, PhDs, but I've interviewed many. In fact, for my two books on atheism, I've interviewed uh, 32 of some of the most famous atheists in the world. And I asked several of them, do you hope atheism is true or Christianity? It's interesting. I've had some atheists say they didn't really want atheism to be true because they didn't want to just go out of existence as they thought they did. But they said they didn't want Christianity to be true either. You know, well, reality has a way of... Uh, being reality, whether we like it or not, right? But there was a gentleman named Dr. Peter Kreeft, K-R-E-E-F-T, and I want to read this, and some of you, you know, when you think about the fact that um, some people reject God, not because Christianity isn't true, but they just, they don't like the implications, um, somebody asked Peter Kreeft, great defender of the faith, you know, if Christianity is so reasonable you know, why did Voltaire and Karl Marx and Sigmund Freud and Nietzsche reject it? And Kreeft said this. He said, Christianity is true, but not always obvious. Um, two plus two equals four is true, and so is E equal MC square, Einstein's theory. But, you know, two plus two equals four is very obvious, whereas, you know, something profound like E equals MC square is not all that obvious. Now, all that to say this, and Bert, I'll throw it back to you. Here's what Peter Kreeft, great defender, said. If Christianity is irrational, why have so many brilliant minds accepted it? Why has the myth, quote-unquote, continued to attract the brightest minds in history? If you name, you know, Sigmund Freud and uh, the ACLU, you got that on one side of the ledger. But of those that believed in God, if not overtly believed in Christianity, you've got the Apostle Paul, John, Justin Martyr, Clement of Alexandria, August, Augustine, Chrysostom, Thomas Aquinas, Anselm, uh, uh, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Johann Kepler, Ignatius, Dante, Da Vinci, Michelangelo, Descartes, Blaise Pascal, Berkeley, Galileo, Copernicus, Isaac Newton, Abraham Lincoln, Louis Pasteur, Jonathan Edwards, Soren Kierkegaard, William Shakespeare, G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis, Solzhenitsyn, Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, Tolkien, Charles Dickens, John Milton, J.S. Bach, not to mention a certain Jesus of Nazareth. And here's what Crave says, If you pit all of these believers and billions more against the handful of atheists mentioned above, it would hardly be a fair fight. <laughs> now, Amen. here's the thing. Amen. It, it's not IQ points that gets you to Jesus, but it is humility and the willingness to repent and bow and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Alex, let me ask you this. Do you think this concerning the wisdom of the world and sometimes their false intellectualism 
is like the rich man trying to get into heaven. And, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man. That humility, that is what really gets people on the road of correction. It's the right road that I can't live up to God's perfection. I am not the standard. But, you know, this is where they put themselves. They they refuse this real humility before God that they have come short of God's demand of who God is, and they want to propel themselves. Now, let me say that and then add this, and I'll throw it back to you. Sounds a little bit about like Lucifer when he mm. wanted to raise his throne above the throne of God. You, you catch what I'm saying? So these intellectuals and a lot of times rich, they want to sh- throw their wisdom and their wealth ahead of their real need for Christ. And I think they go together. They seem to be battling for a, the soul of a man. Amen. Amen. You know, I've told this several times. Please forgive my repetition, but early in my Christian life, I was at Macedonia Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Sink, who I just had the honor of doing his funeral a week ago, but this is 30 years ago. He said, now, everybody be here Sunday because we're going to have a testimony service. And I said, "Uh, what is that? Because I was a new believer. I didn't know. He said, well, a testimony service is just when we get together and we brag on Jesus. Now, verse 31 says that according as it is written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. You know... Um, what are we excited about? Jesus. What are we grateful for? Jesus and what he did on the cross. Uh, our identity. I mean, that thing, not bragging, certainly not, but we lift up the Lord. Our identity is Jesus because, hey, you can lose money or you could lose your health or you, you could even lose your reputation. But if you're a Christian, you can't lose Jesus. We'll be back with your phone calls, 888-589-8840. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. See, we don't have to engage in psychological brainwashing techniques and all this nonsense that the left traffics in because they're godless, for the most part. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. That's how we fight. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney, host of Secure Freedom Radio. It's your personal daily intelligence briefing about the challenges we face, how they're likely to affect you, and what we can do about them. You can find Secure Freedom Radio here every weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Tune in to learn from our extraordinary experts what you need to know and will want to share. Join us for Secure Freedom Radio tonight at 11 Eastern, right here on AFR. When an unplanned pregnancy happens to a mom in crisis, preborn clinics are there. I was extremely scared. The father did not want the child, and he had made me choose him or the baby. This mother chose life after meeting with preborn counselors and seeing her baby on ultrasound. I just felt so blessed and the hand of God on me so strong. And I knew then on I was going to serve God and I was going to keep this child and I was going to love him just like God loved me so unconditionally. 
Preborn centers met this mom in her darkest hour, helping her to choose not only life for her baby, but life in Jesus. He was our little miracle child. God's timing was impeccable. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in America, introducing moms to their preborn babies and helping them choose life. To find out more, visit preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Mark described the Gadarean demoniac, the one who said, My name is Legion, for we are many, as living among the tombs, breaking free from shackles and chains, howling in the night, and cutting himself with stones. But Jesus cast the demons out of him. And when the townspeople saw him with Jesus, free, clothed and in his right mind, that is when they were afraid. If you've recently been freed by Jesus, don't be surprised if it makes your old friends uncomfortable. It's not you, it's them. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Matthew 19, 14. American Family Radio. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. So glad that you're with us. We're going to go to the phone calls right now. And if you want to read ahead a little homework assignment, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tomorrow. And Bert, this book is so rich, isn't it? I'm just excited that we're getting to do this. We were talking the other day, sometimes we often go to like a New Testament book, then an Old Testament book, and but we just finished Galatians. And by the way, all of our programs are up on AFR.net. That's AFR.net. Uh, but we stayed in the New Testament. We stayed with a New Testament book, and that book being, of course, 1 Corinthians. It is, it is because it is so relevant that, that we talked about it, and it, it hits on many of the issues that are plaguing, and I'm using that word correctly, plaguing our culture today. But I want to tell you, there's no greater place in the Bible to demonstrate Christians living in a wayward culture than it would have been in the city of Corinth. It mm, was a, it was, you can take uh, New Orleans, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York City, all the worst places in the world, and they still don't come up to the Corinthian uh, society. It was that corrupt. But yes, God wanted his church to be there in the most difficult and darkest spiritual area. We must be the church of God today. No matter how difficult and hard it gets, we need to stand. So, Alex, mm -hmm. I think First Corinthians is the book we need to really study right now. Well, we're going to go to the phones right now. First of all, we're going to go to Helen in West Virginia. And 
you know what? I'm going to ask Dev and uh, if you can uh, pot the collars okay, up. Okay, yeah, we got it. not working. Okay, we. I'll do it from now on, and I'll take care of that. But Helen, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I have a question about how a person will be judged that does not counter homosexuality, and is there a Bible verse that I can share with them? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at look at that, Alex. Just what we've been talking about. Yeah. What's going on in our society today? First uh, Corinthians. Where do we get to chapter six? Yeah, I was fixing to say First Corinthians six has something to say that doesn't it, Alex? Well, it, it really does. And if you would uh, look at First Corinthians six nine through eleven. First Corinthians six nine through eleven. And uh, by the way, let me just parenthetically say, and I'm, I'm not going to name the books and I'm not going to name the authors because I really don't want to give them any, you know, PR. But probably 20 years ago, probably a little bit longer than 20 years ago, uh, some theologians, quote unquote, although they're not Bible believers, begin to write books to try to legitimize sexual sin. And, you know, what's interesting is there were one or two books that came out in the late 1980s, then several that came out in the mid-90s, but now there are a plethora of books, uh, and they'll say things like, well, you know, the Bible doesn't condemn homosexual activity, uh, which it clearly does. Uh, Nowadays, Bert, I was even reading this morning, there's a major evangelical leader who says, well, you know what? The Bible never said that men should be senior pastors. The Bible doesn't even speak to the structure of the church. Well, that's just completely false. But see, when when people uh, say things about the Bible, rather than people getting into the Scriptures themselves, masses can be misled. So let me just say uh, there are many things the Word of God says about morals, marriage, gender, Yes, the operation of the church, but regarding this, um, 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, Bert, there are a lot of people that are going to be in for a tragically rude awakening that uh, God doesn't change His Word just based on misinformation or misconceptions, does He? He does not. Let me read this. It's pretty powerful. Not pretty, very powerful. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen to verse 11. And such were some of you in the past, but you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is so strong they they wanted to they wanted to change that word were and they wanted to say such are some of you but that's not the greek it is were and god has delivered one of the greatest ministries that god has in salvation is deliverance now that doesn't take away some struggles with the past we love to identify with the familiar whatever that familiar is alcohol drugs lifestyle there is a battle going on. We have a new creation. We're a new creature, but the old creation, the old creature is still there. And I had my professor at Blue Mountain College, Alex James Travis, said, 
Whichever one of those natures you feed the most is the one that wins in the Christian That's life. Right. So feed the feed upon the Word of God. So, yes. Helen, that's your answer. I hope it helps you, and we'll be praying that you can use that for good and help those individuals, not to not to hurt or hurt them or harm them, but to help them. That's our goal. Next, let's go to Virginia and talk to Max. Max, welcome. Oh, hey, how you doing? Doing well. Good. Good to have you. Yeah, my question is, um, I was do- I was doing some study. I, I I like listening to your program, by the way. Um. What I'm saying is, like, um, I um, when it, when it comes to technology, um, I understand in heaven that there is no gender in heaven, right? Well, it doesn't necessarily say that, Max. Uh, it says oh, there'll be no marriage yeah. nor given in marriage, but it doesn't but, say that we will lose our identity. Go ahead, Alex. Go ahead and say and, that. And and let me say, and I don't want to interrupt you. You stay stay with us there brother but like in matthew 17 when moses and elijah appeared on the mount of transfiguration to peter james john and jesus they were still males and see um we are made human beings but the bible and the christian worldview affirms personhood you're not only a human being but you're a specific human being and you'll you'll be glorified you'll have a brand new body but there will absolutely be gender in heaven Males will always be males, be a redeemed, glorified male, but uh, females will always be females. So that's part of the reason Satan is attacking gender, because, um, the, you know, um, Ravi Zacharias 20 years ago wrote a book called Shattered Visage. In other words, our human identity, Satan has tried to shatter, but no, our gender will be a part of who we are eternally. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Max. Oh yeah, um, um, yeah. Like, but, but basically, like what I was saying is like because when it comes to technology, like is that like energy that's discovered from heaven? Like what I, what I mean is like is technology on the earth, but is it was it actually designed for heaven? That's my question. Technology. Um. Well, let, yeah, let like, me just because, say this. You know, because, oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Well, well, you know, uh, the Bible talks about at the end of time that uh, the, the earth and the heavens will wax old like a garment. This is just amazing. Now, let me just get a little bit abstract here for a second. But in um, Psalm 102, 26, it talks about the heavens and earth will wax old like a garment. And, you know, Hebrews and other New Testament scriptures talk about the fact that God, you know, everything's going to melt away with a fervent heat. All right, Isaiah 51 alludes to this too. Here's the thing. Let's say the amount of matter in the universe is, we don't know, X to the 10th power. And with, you know, earth and stone and wood and all the matter, there are properties and there's electricity and, you know, there there's nuclear power, uh, the power of the atom. Well, it's all fallen right now. It's amazing to me, Bert, even in this fallen world, a world of entropy where things are running down, even so, uh, human ingenuity, often led by the Holy Spirit, it's allowed us to figure out how to create an airfoil and airplanes, split the wind and create lift. Uh, we've found out electricity behaves a certain way, and lo and behold, we have light bulbs and heaters and air conditioners, and we've uh, refined petroleum and made gasoline and internal combustion engines. Bert, 
I believe the matter of the universe, even when God makes all things new, it'll still be the same amount of matter that God spoke into existence. I honestly think the physical universe will operate uh, as it was created originally, but it's going to be redeemed. The curse will be removed. And so technology is not necessarily a bad thing. With all due respect to the Amish, you can be saved and still drive a car. Yay. <laughs> but, Bert, that the, the, the new heavens and new earth will still have electricity and physical properties, but the curse will be removed, and it'll be that glorified state with no of none of the pain and obstruction of sin. Okay. Thank you, Max. Let's go to Mississippi. Cameron, welcome. Hey, thank you. Yes. Um, welcome. Yeah, so whenever I was 14 years old, I was exposed to sexuality and homosexuality and um, transgenderism and all that through social media. And me being a kid who didn't really have a lot of friends, it was a place for me to find community instead of looking for, you know, looking towards Jesus and finding that community in church. And that was something that I truly struggled with. And I'm happy to say that today I am a strong, you know, Christian believer and I love myself as the way God made me. And I'm just here to say that if you can change and that because people are so scared to talk about transgenderism and homosexuality nowadays. And I'm, I'm living proof that, yes, you can change. And that it's not the way it has to be, and that God is always the answer. Hallelujah, Abe Cameron. God bless you. Thank you. Would you mind uh, staying online and Marty get your mailing address? We just going to. Yes. I'm going to send you one of mine and Alex's books, 100 Questions, and and the answers as well. But let me just say this, Cameron, watch in His image. And you'll see that yes. God's power is one of the greatest. Uh, I'll just put it this way. In my opinion, it's the best documentary uh, AFA Studios, the American Family Studios have made. It does it in a confrontational way in love. I wished I could do everything I do the way they did that. They gave truth. They confronted those that were not in truth with the truth of the word in love. And so, Cameron, if you haven't seen in his image, you can go online, just type that in, uh, keyboard that in, and you'll find it, and you can watch it. I think it would bless you. And those of you that are listening that are struggling in that area, you can find hope in his image. Alex, I I will tell you, isn't that awesome testimony, brother? God bless you. Uh, Listen to this, folks. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, said, courage is contagious. And what you've just shared, Cameron, that's very courageous, and I commend you. And I know there are millions out there, because you are right. Regardless of what ensnares us, the Lord can set us free. And Bert, you know, one of the things, and I've interviewed people in a homosexual community, and even people in the atheist community, it it's very daunting and fearful to leave the comfort zone. And a lot of people, I, Angie and I met a lady at a church, and she's uh, a lesbian coming out of that. 
And she said, it's just scary because who will my friends be? Will I have any friends? That's why we Christians, because we're all just saved sinners, but we need to come around people and say, look, God loves you. Uh, we welcome you. We're, we'll be your friends and family now. And, and you know, we'll, we'll come around. So, Cameron, God bless you. And that it is inspiring, but it's also a reminder that, you know, people don't want to be lonely and alienated. They need community. And we, the body of Christ, can be that community. Amen. Thank you, Cameron. And I, I just want to say thank you with all my heart for calling in and sharing that. And I agree with you. Listen, let I, I know it's a cliche. The church is not a museum for saints. It is a hospital for sinners. Amen. And I am telling you, you can mock that and make fun of that all you want to. But what was evangelism? What was that one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread? D.T. Niles. D.T. Uh, Niles. What he was awesome? a, an evangelist from Sri Lanka. And he said, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And uh, we're not going to be able to take more calls. I, Cameron just set us free to talk, and I, I, I know I'm excited about it. David and Frank, we'll get to you another day. I Let promise. Let me throw something in yeah, here, Yeah, go ahead. Okay, folks. I've said this many times, but this is just psychology 101. Everybody wants three things. Every human, we've all... We might not have articulated it, but look, we want acceptance, significance, security. Yep. Acceptance, do I fit in? Significance, do I matter? And security, am I safe? And people will go wherever they think they find those things. It might be the bar, might be a gang, might be uh, an orgy. But we, the church, we have to show people unconditional love, make them feel accepted, significant, secure. And people will come like a magnet if we are that loving community. I pray that you have come to Christ. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The church should be. And if you don't find that church that's loving and caring, don't give up. Go looking. <laughs> find one. They're out there. I found many. And uh, they'll love on you and help you. And you'll find that fellowship in that body of believers. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word here on AFR. Tell someone about this program, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. Jesus.